Gee, Steve, what are we going to do tonight? Same thing we do every podcast. Tell them how we season. All right, here we go. It's How We Seize It, episode 182. This time we're tackling Moon Knight Kingdom. This is a uh, Wes um, uh, Anderson, right? Uh, You're correct. Wes Anderson, uh, this was released in 19, or 19, 12, (laughs) 2012. Uh, I'm all over the place. This was his seventh movie, if I believe I, I got the numbers right. Um, so this was, uh, you know, Wes Anderson is is kind of a known... I, I don't know what other way to, to describe him as, as an artsy director. Um, he has a very distinct style that... Uh, yes. That gets... You, you know, you, 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 see a, you see a few frames of his movie and you, you know it. You right know away. it's him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it, I remember uh, we were talking uh, when we did um, the the uh, Doctor Strange. How we said, or how I said, it was a very Ram uh, 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 Remy type movie. You know, it, his his direction really showed through. You know, uh, his style and sure Anderson. I I think is even more so over the top. Like he is like his is so much more his style. But in and both Sam Raimi's style and Wes Anderson, they have visual styles that are very distinctive. So yes, so, yeah. yeah, I think I, that's that's a fair comparison. Yeah, and I think that's what directors are looking for is them to become a a visual style that's recognized. Uh, you know, if you're, I don't want to say copying it, but if you're if you're paying homage, it's very easy to to figure out who you're who paying homage to in a way. Yeah, as long as you don't get trapped in it, and I I think that's, you know, yeah. I haven't seen. I, I've it's seen enough quiet. Wes Anderson movies to to know his style, but I I don't go out and see every one of them because I mean it, it's there's a lot of repetition in it. So yes, I, I yes. think we're covering a, a very a, a movie that has a lot to talk about, and I think it really the, the style fits it. But yeah, it, it's something that can can be overwhelming if if you're gonna if that's what you're gonna do is just go on a go on a Wes Anderson movie binge, which. <laughs> True. Which you're going to be doing, right? I uh, maybe another, maybe you got another uh, one on your on your plate. Coming yeah, soon. it's it's it. We're, we're we're trying to figure it all out. Um, I got some emails out to see uh, uh, what's going on. They're talking about doing it next week, which it doesn't release to us. Uh, we're talking about the new Asteroid City, uh, Wes Anderson. It doesn't release here until the 22nd, but they're talking about doing it next weekend. So, which means they might be getting uh, some uh, early screening. So I don't know. I gotta I gotta clear that up with them. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, a little. I'll I'll know more by next week for sure, uh, or yeah, hopefully by Wednesday. Which uh, those that don't know and don't follow us directly, we usually put out our our episodes on Thursday because we record them on Wednesday. We're actually recording this on Monday because I was on a week long camping trip with my wife to celebrate uh, our our anniversary, um, which was really nice. So. Uh, we we didn't do our normal, so there's been a small delay. So those people that are you know the two or three that are clamor for like where's my how we seize it and, and here it is. Uh, so 
Uh, and we did get the message from one of those, and that'd be Bo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, no episode this week. What? But no, yeah, I, uh, I did. I watched um, the Fantastic Mr. Fox last night, um, just to get another one under my belt, just to you know, kind of watch some of his stuff. And uh, these two were back to back essentially for him as as director, um, and uh, you know, three years apart. But they had a lot of similarity visually. Um, even though one was stop motion animation, I believe is it is that is that correct, Mister the fabric, Mr. I, Fox? I think it, I am sure it was. Yeah, because they also had that other one that kind of used the same. Dial of the Dogs. Yeah, same, that I did see in the theater. I didn't. I've never seen a Fantastic Mister Fox though. It's interesting. It's it's uh it's off of a um, what's his name uh uh Ron Dahl's book, which okay. I didn't realize. Uh, oh yeah, so I, that's right. Didn't we mention it when we were doing? Uh, we were I doing. Think we did. Uh, the Chocolate Factory. Charlie, or... yeah. And so it's funny when I saw that, I was like, "Wait, that na- that name sounds familiar." And so I went look at. Yeah, uh, interesting. It was fun. Uh, not as good as Moon uh, Rise, Moonrise Kingdom, uh, but yeah, it's it's very. I, I enjoyed it though. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I knew Wes Anderson from Royal Tannenbaums and Rushmore and The Life Aquatic. Um, were some of the early ones I saw, and this is where I got that very artsy feel to it. And, and so, I, I I haven't gone and rewatched them. I don't remember them being like, "Oh my god, this is the best movie ever." They're watchable, but I know I was like, "Huh." Um, I know a lot of people like the Grand Budapest uh, Hotel, which I haven't seen yet, and I know I talked to you uh, over the last year about uh, possibly seeing the French Dispatch because it looked like it it might have some comedy aspects that I, I think could be fun. Yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel is definitely very punchy, comic, uh, fun characters. I went and bonded with my daughter watching that movie. So, <laughs> so that I have, a, I have a fond memory of that. Uh, but, nice. uh, but doesn't quite have the depth of Moonrise Kingdom. That's, that's some, something that's a little bit uh, true, true. richer. It, it, and um, maybe it kind of dives into that childhood stuff that, that always well, that's... kind of resonates from everyone, you know, that... Yeah. <laughs> It's a coming of age story, and mm-hmm. I think you know you, you. If you don't like coming of age stories, we got to question what's wrong with you a little bit. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, if they're done right, there there's some bad ones out there. I'm not going to say you know, but uh, it just it's kind of ingrained in our bodies that uh, you know we went through that, so we like to kind of see a good coming of age story where we might be able to to latch on to some of it of a little bit of like oh shit I can see me in that representation matters kind of thing. <laughs> Right. Uh, we, you know, we were all twelve-year-old boys or girls at one point, and so, uh, my, it, you know, my wife and I, uh, about six or seven years ago, we dressed up as Sam and Susie for Halloween. So that was nice. that was fun. I, I still have the socks, the really high socks. <laughs> I had to I had to track those down and get them from the khaki the khaki uh, scouts. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Uh, cool. Well, and you know, being that this is a, a coming of age story, you know, everybody, uh, you know, at some point has a drink in their life and, uh, that's no different for us. And we have ours now, uh, that we pair to this movie or show and we're going to, we're going to do that right now. And I'm going to start with Steve because I want to, I want to know what you got for this one. Okay. Um, hopefully this is, doesn't come across too long winded, but one of the things <laughs> that I was really intrigued by were that were the, uh, stories that, that Susie brought along in her little mm. little her little case and I I wrote yes, the sir. titles down they've got beautiful artwork but um, 
There's, uh, there's Disappearance of the Sixth Grade, The Return of Auntie Lorraine, The Francine Odysseys. Um, oh, do I have the other? The Girl from Jupiter. The Light of Seven Matchsticks, which actually they turned into a cocktail bar. You, you can find that. It just recently, oh, really? It just recently closed, unfortunately, but it was a craft oh. cocktail bar in Worthington, Ohio, where they kind of featured Wes Anderson-style um, cool. cocktails. Um, but my my drink comes from the sixth one, Shelley and the Secret Universe, and I pulled <laughs> a a line out of out of out of the book. I I looked it up and I derived my drink from that. So I'm going to read the quote. Okay. Ready, ready for this? Here we go. Shelley landed next to a campfire, holding her bell tightly. It didn't make a sound, but it left her wondering. If it had made a noise, perhaps she would be greeted by cheers and applause, the cherry on top, as her Aunt Mary would say. On the other hand, since the bell remained silent, she could continue on, unnoticed, enjoying the fruits of her anonymity with the bitter aftertaste of being alone. So with that quote, I derived the ingredients from my cocktail. Um, I, there's a campfire involved, so I pulled out some mezcal. So Right, right. Then uh, he talks about the, the cherry on top, so I used some mar mar maraschino liqueur. Um, you know, cherry on top, as her Aunt May would say. So I thought that was good, the, uh, a maraschino uh, liqueur for that. Uh, fruits of her anonymity. So I, I pulled some lime juice and a grapefruit uh, little twist to go with that. And then the bitter aftertaste, I used some Aperol. So this is a division bell. One ounce of mezcal, three-quarter ounce Aperol, quarter ounce of maraschino liqueur, three-quarter ounce of lime juice, and a little spritz of, of grapefruit uh, peel at the end. Delicious cocktail. I call it Shelly's Division Bell, since this is Shelly and the Secret Universe. And I'm having a double to retain <laughs> Wes Anderson's visual symmetry while looking kind of like Susie's binoculars and Sam's glasses oh, from yeah, above. So I call it a uh, double vision. There we go. Nice. This is a delicious cocktail. Really awesome. <laughs> that's cool. That, that's that's. I mean, you wouldn't pick you out again. Uh, I love the fact that you you really incorporated the story into it and found that that was really good. I <clears throat> I was having trouble kind of thinking that you know because there's so much to pull from story wise. I was like, oh man, this is crazy, and uh, you know, so I started looking down khaki scouts and you know I had a couple Girl Scout things, but she wasn't really a Girl Scout and different things. I I looked at a little bit of Noah's Ark or a two by two. And, yeah, you know. Uh, I was like, oh, going, and then um, I was listening to one of the podcasts, just a random one, um, and they started talking about how this was a, uh, you know, a coming of age story and how they ran away, uh, and they were on that beach and they had their first kiss with each other. Sure. And so I found a drink called a Runaways Kiss, and so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, and and it, uh, it, I think it's it's called Runaways Runaway Kiss, and so, but I'm changing it to to Runaways Kiss. So referring to the two of them and having their first kiss and their first French kiss and, uh, you know, Sam getting to third base uh, <laughs> with permission, with permission. Sure. Uh, and sharing, you, the, know. The, you know, sharing his erection or at least. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Actually, that, that came out wrong. He was he communicated his erection. <laughs> well, she she asked about it. And, yeah. and uh, I think he uh, confirmed. Yeah. Uh, nor denied. But uh, um, yeah, so I went with that, and it's it's a basic basic drink, um, but it's really really tasty. I, I I took a sip already of this one, so this is gonna be my runaways kiss. Starts with two ounces of gin, and you put a, a uh, um, you top uh, about four ounces of a prosecco, 
Um, I had one. It was a, a cupcake uh, Prosecco. I, I, it was a cheap one at Safeway. So I was like, I, I, I'll get that one. I uh, just happened to be there getting lunch today. Uh, then you uh, add one ounce of orange juice, uh, three quarter ounce pomegranate juice, and then one ounce of Chambord. And the colors kind of fall down into it and kind of give it this sunrise uh, kind of look to it. Um, and so I thought that was the opposite of the moonrise is the sunrise. And so I kind of played that with that a little bit. Uh, and then I just added some uh, limes for garnish. And it's got a very uh, kind of citrusy uh, flavor to it. It's it, it could be a little sweeter, as my wife would like to uh, uh, point out when I had her try it. Uh, she gave me a little of that bitter beer face. Um, but she doesn't like drinks nearly as tart as I do. But it's really delicious. And so this is my, my runaway's kiss. Nice. The, uh, I, there was another cocktail I, I almost considered, which was called the Raven, because that's what... Oh, I looked at, I was going to do something right there, too. <laughs> and it had it had Chambord in it, and uh, certainly was a much darker drink, but... Um. That was a, that was actually a, a last-minute uh, ad for me, just because of, of the flavor. It was really, really tart with just the Prosecco and the, and the gin. Um, so I, I thought the Chambord would kind of balance it out a little bit, and it really did. It... it it added a little bit of a sweetness and, and a little bit of a fruit to it that nice. it, I think really helps. So, yeah, this could be an easy an easy summer, you know, uh, out in the sun kind of drink. Uh, really, really flavorful. Well, so, I, I, I've, I've got a bit of a confession to make. That, uh, that drink, that quote that I pulled out, I completely made it up. And, and that's kind of the joy of this movie is these books... <laughs> are completely made up for this movie. They're props. Nice. That yeah. even in the credits, they show the artwork of the of the of the yeah. books and and talk about who derived them. And I looked them up and they're they're not real. And she does read a couple passages and I did find there's a little uh, little um, DVD extra or something like that that I found on YouTube where where the librarian, the same guy that that narrates and, and talks about <laughs> the, the coming storms, he talks about each of these books and Susie reads an excerpt of every single one. And I, so this is not the excerpt that actually came from it, but I kind of continued into my own little story um, and and defined the drink based on that. So I so I kind nice. of cheated, but uh, but I had fun That's... doing it. I thought it was kind of in Wes Anderson uh, honor. You know, I was doing it. It was great. <laughs> it, it was very pinky out for sure. Um, yeah, I know it was funny when you started talking about the books. I was I had heard that. All those books were derived by uh, the cast and crew. I think more crew than cast. Uh, not only uh, the the book titles, but the artwork and all of the stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, they were completely made up by by part of the the team that had made the movie. But they also felt so genuine. They they were part of the reason why it felt so nostalgic. I mean, the fact that they looked like library books. I mean, that's <laughs> that's something that you just I don't know. Well, that's it's, a it's hard to even. Fathom, I mean, my wife does check out library books because she's a teacher and it's something that, that she does. But boy, libraries have, have slimmed down with the Internet. So, Well, yeah, because people like Susie uh, check out their books multiple at a time <laughs> and don't ever long. return them. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Susie was paid by Kara uh, Kara uh, Hard uh, Hayward. Sorry, I screwed that one up. And then Sam was uh, Jared Gilman. So this was realistically both of their first like big projects i think uh i think both of them had a, a small short or something like that before this but they were both basically rookies you know uh you know for this and and, and the they, same age of their characters too which right which me. is <laughs> yeah and and they killed it i i think 
their performance really is what made a lot of this believable and 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 fun because it it has a a innocence to it that makes it yeah and they feel right they were kind of searching for their identity both of them that was part of the the storyline and yet and so they they kind of retain that quirky style that wes anderson brings that a lot of his characters bring but it did seem to fit more with who they were and and it made you connect and that's that's impressive because you know the adult characters were did not resonate as much. I, I mean, I did I did like Ed Norton, the you know the the Ed uh, Norton scoutmaster. Was real, yeah, I but, really liked Ed Norton, but, and I like Bruce Willis. He I like he he worked, but he was just kind of you know he didn't he didn't stand out. He just he was enough. Well, but that's what was beauty about okay. it is it was such a a reversal of the characters that Bruce Willis normally plays. You know, he was a bumbling cop instead of, you know, like in Die Hard where he's the the hardcore just kick-ass cop. He was kind of the, op, you know, total opposite of of what he was. And, and, and I thought that was, he came out really well. And and to see him play that and, and, and kind of almost like play a softer side of Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. Um, <clears throat> and like you said, Ed Norton uh, as the Scoutmaster, uh, you know, Ed Norton, you know, Fight Club, and then you know his his ill-fated Marvel uh, Hulk <laughs> or Bruce Banner. Um, you know he's got he's got a stigma about him too, and he seems so different in this and so likable, where he's not always as likable in a lot of other stuff. He was extremely likable, yeah. And he bond. He was like the only one that could could. Well, I, I guess uh, Bruce Will Captain Sharp did, but but that that line when but he in said, a different way yeah when i would have given you a, a commendable a commendable was with his campsite <laughs> and that was a huge deal i mean con, con, what <laughs> i well it's funny because you're you're thinking you know like sam kills it he's probably the one that shows the most uh, uh scout worthy uh efforts <laughs> out of all of them and the scoutmasters, I would have given you a commendable you're like uh no dude i killed this it should have been whatever is the highest but it's kind of like that it is. It, it you can feel the praise in it, but it's also kind of like really that you giving me a B, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, he. There was so much with it. I love the 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 beginning of it. It, it resonated. He, you know, if he would have said, "I would have given you an outstanding," it wouldn't have had the same I, same. Uh, I, I agree. It, <laughs> impact. The, I think the comedy just, in it. It fit more with the with the times and with with yes. The, the yeah, it made it it made it a bigger deal. So I. I I, I liked it. <laughs> oh, no, it worked perfect. I mean, I'm not going to say that, but that's why I think it worked perfect because everybody's all like, hey, this kid nailed it. But, he, you know, he like, I would have, you know, you're like, oh, he would have, he's going to praise him. And he goes, I would have given you a commendable year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Okay. I got you. Uh, but I, I, I loved how, you know, this all started too with, with, you know, he felt a little out of place and he's kind of walking through the church play that <laughs> Noah they are, which, that made me laugh, uh, one, because I hear it all the time because of my name. But uh, just him walking through the extras waiting to go on stage, and there's just row after row after row of two animals after two animals after two animals. <laughs> You're like, how many fucking kids do they got in this performance? Another reason uh, why I made a double, you know? Cause right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, he, you know, he... he, he barges into the the little dressing room with the with the girls in their their bird costumes and and Susie is the only one that doesn't have a double and she's a crow 
and but it's just it, it just the the magnetism between the two of them starts right there and it's just kind of this awkwardness and they're both awkward but it's really they they fit and it, it worked out really well yeah so they're they're doing a play called um Noe's Fuddle. I guess it recounts the Old Testament story of Noah's Ark, like you talked about. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, it 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 felt that there was a lot of tradition in this. This is a New England um, town in the mid '60s. Uh, yeah, on a, like an out, uh, like an island, I believe. Yeah, but yes, uh, yep. Um, and it 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 feels kind of like it's really built on tradition. There's there the this is probably I think this is takes place in the church too. So yep, even yep. though it's done by by the school, I think the church has a lot to do with it. So there's a lot of weight to this and and what well, also uh, is foreboding in the fact that, you know, the towards the end of the movie we get the big storm and the flood and everything like that. Oh so yeah. And there's like, so much symbolism in, in the fact that yeah. Noah's Ark and, and yeah. The, and well, and they end up back too. at the church. They're almost like Adam and Eve trying to discover their, their oh, you know, nice. yeah. It does play into that, and uh, that that I I like the biblical weight, of the but again the innocence of these two kids just trying to understand who they are. That one of them comes from, uh, well, I don't know if our audience. This is one of those movies that we can we could spoil it, but it's not. It this is a movie to experience. You're, there's no way we can spoil it through through what happens. So if you haven't <laughs> seen it, you're welcome to keep listening because. This is a movie well, about, about style, and the only way you really get a sense yes. of that is if, by experiencing it. So it starts where they're, yeah, they, they become pen pals. Um, and yeah, which was a great way to do that. I, I thought that was very interesting because they go back and forth with the letters, but they only kind of read almost like text messages. You know, it's it's just the little the bits and pieces of it. And it, it was like, do you want to run away? Yes. Where do you meet me here? Okay. And, you know, just these back and forth <laughs> of these pen pals. Which was which was hilarious, and they read that as it kind of plays out in the in the story too, with the visuals, which I thought was really cool. Um, speaking of the visuals in this, um, this has some striking striking visuals. This is this is where um, I know art art majors and film majors and people that are into the the filmography of of movies are gonna geek out because this this he does so much with lighting and color and position that it it really has a feel of its own color the color palette is is very important and 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 he does you know sometimes he does split screen shots where it's so much more apparent where you're drawing attention to the yellows and something or the blues and something else yeah. and so um very beautiful visually um and do, i don't know how if his movies i mean obviously all of his movies seem to have that same kind of two-dimensional symmetrical yes, truck, you know, yes, yes. you know, where they're trucking alongside things and stuff and follow and trying to keep the frame very, very rigid. The, the, so much of the dialogue is delivered without emotion necessarily. So it's kind of open for interpretation of the audience interpreting and, and so I think people are likely familiar with that. There's been wonderful parodies just recently I've seen on YouTube where they do little movie trailers for, Star Wars, Wes Anderson style, or Lord of the Rings, oh, done, done Wes, Anderson, Wes, a- Wes Anderson style, and it's so oh, so visually uh, immediately y- you notice it because it's just recognizable. Yeah, and I think they they even put 
he has a lot of recurrent recurring cast members, Bill Murray and for sure. Uh, and, oh yeah, uh, Bill Murray's been in a ton. And Owen uh, Wilson. Owen Wilson. That's the one I was. This I think was the first movie that he wasn't in of Wes Anderson's. Yes. So, yes. Exactly. Um, and and they make they say little lines. Um, so th- those are fun. Those are treats. But again, this sometimes gets at the at the downside of 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 the style that you kind of get stuck in. You know, it'd be interesting to see him try a movie. Do something like, different. Yeah. I, I, so I agree. I agree that it would be it would be interesting to see him do something different. Um, just to see what he would do. Um, one of the things I did really like about this this one too is um, in its. I guess in a lot of other ones, he's done a lot of stuff with miniatures and, and uh, they, there's this this thought that like when you're looking at his stuff, it's like looking into a dollhouse almost. And uh, like the very beginning when they're, when they're first showing the house and stuff, I had that same feeling. I was like, damn, this looks like a, a pristine miniature little, like everything is in its place. Like it's, but you get those, those people doing those miniatures. They're very uh, articulate with like, every little detail being perfect and this but this miniature has this look about it and that's what the house looked like it looked like a, a miniature house except for all of a sudden there's people walking in you're like oh damn they made a real house look like a miniature house yeah um and it's a lot with color and style and and the way things are made and and, and, and almost the, a minimalist and the framing too because it almost looks yeah. like they cut the house down the middle and then they have the camera just sliding you know room by room right in, right in right very, right in a very symmetrical way so yeah. you know and and it's it's funny you want to you want a movie that is completely opposite of this movie that does kind of the same thing and that's hereditary and you know we've talked about midsummer oh, yeah, yeah. whether or not to see that it's the same director <laughs> ari uh, astor that that directed hereditary. oh we'll see it we, terrifying we will see it. an odd movie but it has probably some of the most disturbing moments of any movie but it starts just like <laughs> that where it kind of goes in on a little dollhouse and it moves into one of the rooms and it becomes the scene and it's it's uncanny and it's very uh, upsetting and 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 odd feeling it just makes you feel weird like wait a second this, <laughs> well i mean i mean we're 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 creeping up on october and you know we like to do our <laughs> our scary spooky movies in october so maybe those will become one uh well, i definitely want yeah. get a chance to do midsummer yeah i want to do it camping with yep. with alicia absolutely stuff, so we'll we've got that on our that. docket yeah we, we have to make up for when we did uh, <laughs> we did the last one so yeah we missed the last uh, one we did another movie, but... yeah um but no, this this was really cool, and I liked the visuals, and I I I liked what it did because it gave us the start of Susie's character and this kind of odd young teen girl. And you know, when I say odd, I mean she presented herself as just a little bit different. You know, it, it almost came across as she wasn't that that cheerleader type. You know, you almost felt a an emo ness to her or just a a, a reserve, but also a. a like an old soul in a way, you know, when you, you kind of get those feelings about people. Uh, one of the things I, I found out about her and, and this really worked for her character is uh, Wes Anderson had her do her own makeup. Really? So she, so she looked like what a 12 year old girl would look like putting her makeup on instead of some makeup artist who's been doing it for years and make her look like a model. She did her own makeup, and I was like, "That is ingenious because it really played out well." Because you look at her and you just you see that she is this young girl in 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 everything, but she's also trying to find her way into womanhood, which you know goes into the the this you know 
that discovery of you know herself and stuff like that and i thought it was perfect um one of the things that i i know and it's the silliest thing that i but i just loved a ton of it was um when she she shows up uh for their first meeting in the field in the in the the meadow to yeah. uh go off and she's got uh her uh, suitcase and some other things and she's got this fisherman's basket over her hip and it's got a kitten in it <laughs> and i just that made me laugh for some reason i was like yeah yeah if i want to run away i'm taking the kitten too which you know it, the kitten is in the background quite a bit you know through their little their camping escapades and stuff like that and plays a big part because there's you know she she brings like eight cans of uh cat food with her and you know, it's just one of those funny things, but it just, it, it made me, it, it, it made my heart grow three times. Like it, it, it totally ungrinched me a little bit, uh, just seeing that cat in that. And I thought it was such a small touch, but it was so big in my mind that I, I just loved it. And it goes along with everything she did. She's running away, but she, she took a record player, uh, a, a tape player, books, uh, wore Sunday school shoes and a kitten with food, but she had no other clothes, no, you know, nothing to survive with. Right, right. They they do use animals. You know, they had they. There's another dog, Snoopy. That that Snoopy. Uh, Snoopy was. Uh, the... He was a good dog. I I believe it. I really do. <laughs> they, that's a beautiful line though. Those sons of bitches. They got him right through the neck. And then Susie says, was he a good dog? Who's to say? But he didn't deserve to die. And yeah, I, this is this was a you know a fight in the when the when the, the other scouts are trying to hunt oh, down that was, that Susie was funny and too. Sam. And you know, they all have their it's it's that it's that moment when the one of the guys who's brandishing this 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 it's a ra- Rambo blade, you know, and and yeah. saying, Why are you hanging out with him? He's he's cra- you know why not? Well, he's crazy. He, you know, as this guy's brandishing this knife, yeah, saying we're here. Well, to- they all had weapons. I know they they, <laughs> they all had weapons and the, the motorcycle. It was great though. It was this, it's great standoff, you know. And, and and someone else talked about it in a podcast too, and they were like, like who who doesn't remember being twelve and having one of those little standoffs with the neighborhood, you know, group of kids in the neighborhood where one one group of disagrees with the others and there's. There's a fight and everybody's got a stick or a bat or a pipe. <laughs> it's like right, but nothing yeah. really happens from it's, it. But it, we're all like, oh, it's kind of, we're, we're... It's kind of like Anchorman, though. <laughs> you know, kind of. Right. They have that 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 brawl out in the, out in the alley. Although, well, what, what is it? What? What's the what's the the um the one where the kids are isolated on the the um... Lord of the Flies or what? You Lord mean? of the Flies. It oh, has okay. a little. Bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It and, has a little bit of that. And the and and the dog ends up with an arrow through its neck and it's dead, you know, which is pretty brutal. But that, you know, when you're watching a movie like this that has kind of a certain innocence, it's a coming of age. There's something about that that elevates the stakes a little bit. I it 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 added weight to what was going on to the point where you don't know at the end when when you know when they're standing on the top of the steeple oh, right, talking right. about <laughs> oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna jump and I hope the waters shallow enough or not deep shallow enough. deep enough to to survive but if it isn't you know it was good knowing you you don't know if yeah, they're gonna right. if they're you know if they're gonna do a if this is romeo and juliet and they're gonna end it, up... it had a little bit of that i i was thinking about it. i almost did that with my drink i almost went a romeo and juliet kind of yeah. thing because they had a little bit of that 
<clears throat> so which dog, was yeah, and I think that I think the dog dying added that weight. I I, I think it would have been a little so less going. Wes Anderson apparently does that. He has a couple others um, in the Royal Tannenbaums. I guess the dog gets run over. Uh, in another oh. one, Life Aquatic. There's like a three-legged dog that has some issues, and and so they were saying that he uses animals and and some oddness to it and, and violence to him to to bring a realness to things where he can't always do that with people and so um but i also like the fact that they named him snoopy and they have like a peanuts feel to it you know uh edward norton's character uh had some choice phrases that were very peanut-esque uh i'm trying to think of the the um the quotes uh but he was like you know uh what was the one he said um it was something about like uh, when he first when he first uh, discovered that he had run away, or or resigned. Actually, it was like uh, good gods or or something. You know, one of those like very peanutty type sayings, and it was it was you oh, know, a good good grief type thing or good grief. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was it was very much like that, and I thought that was pretty funny. Which you know, um, I think you know, for the most part, if I remember correctly, this was a very clean uh story and i and i believe it had like a it 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 has like a pg13 maybe rating what do you which, what do you what do you think of that i i i was talking to my wife a little earlier about this trying to cuz cuz there's some some moments we've touched on them a little bit when they're when they're at moonrise kingdom the cove that they they kind of created where they where they i do... think i think it's no more than pg13 okay I, it, it's just it it's we have twelve-year-old actors that are that are talking about erections and getting closer and French kissing and stuff. And well, and, kissing and French kissing, I don't think is is something that we don't. I mean, that shit's in Disney, so um, you know, like the Disney animated stuff. There's kissing, so I don't think that's a big deal. I uh, I think it him abs- touching her, yeah, her t- touching the boob and talking about the erection might put it to thirteen. But if you're 12 years old and 13 and don't understand that your body's changing and think about those things, it almost seems a few times though that the director's actually putting putting uh, Susie in a position where the audience is is going to, you know, kind of sexualizing her a bit. And, I was I believe, I agree with you on that. I was kind of shocked that. Uh, and that's where I think the PG-13 rating is a little tricky. You know whether that's that's. Well, but I mean. She's not sexualized in the way that she's overly like. I mean, there's well, she, billboards out. She that was are posed, worse. yeah. And when he was painting her on the on the on the ground, she had she as was, much on as a bikini. So I, I agree, especially I in agree. 2012. And they and they kind of they panned from her in kind of a a, a rose like from the Titanic pose <laughs> to his painting where where Leonardo DiCaprio is painting. Painting right, her. right, right, and and you know, of course, Sam is visualizing her with without a top, and he's got her. her, her... Well, that, so that comes from earlier when when you know in the in the um, notes back and forth the pen pal when he's talking about he does into watercolors and he's like I do this this and some nudes and then and this other and they even show him uh, like six of the paintings and one of them is a nude girl in a bathtub but the others are like a field and a house and she actually says something like was that supposed to be me but they they, they cut off the yeah you, you don't get to you don't get to hear his reply <clears throat> but but i think that's in, i think it's brilliant in the fact that it is what 
12 and 13. I mean, shit, if it, I think about what I was at at 12, oh absolutely, my God. absolutely. I, they I, were calm. I think it, it's part of the <laughs> ingredients this movie to this movie that make it so unique and and resonate, but it's still, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's, you, you oh, want to, for sure, you, you know, you got to get it right. You got to, you don't want to be, you know, inspiring uh, people, audience <laughs> members out there to, to, uh, well, stalk, but okay, stalk so twelve-year-olds like happened with Jodie Foster and Taxi Driver. Oh, jeez, so right. I, I mean, it, it's it, it's it's tricky. I think it's it's fair to, although Taxi Driver was rated R, so that was that was but inspiring again, the old, again, older is crowd. Is a PG thirteen that I don't think a lot of uh, junior high kids are like. Oh, hey, I got to go see Moonrise Kingdom. Like right. I don't, I don't think this is a movie that like kids are like. Oh my god, I got to go see that. So it no, it was I, it was. I, this was and and yeah. Speaking of that, it was its its initial release was four theaters, and apparently it made more than any other movie it ever made in a theater in that period of time. Uh, when they when they break it down, I, I, I'm I could have my facts a little bit mixed up, but it was a crazy huge opening for such a small uh, initial release. But it ended up doing being quite successful compared to its budget for an indie I, movie. Yeah, you know, and this is this is one of those ones where I could almost see it becoming kind of a cult tile movie because oh um, it has become <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if, if if i if i went back and i'm not a i'm i'm not gonna say i'm a huge uh wes anderson i'm like oh my god everything comes out i gotta see but if like i thought of any movie that uh you know to watch i would definitely be watching this one and i, I remember we talked about this a couple years ago uh and i don't even know how we got on it but you guys you had recommended this i think you or cindy and I saw it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this!" Maybe is it's when we so... were dressing up for Halloween with this character. It, it yeah. could have been, but yeah. I was like, "This is this is a fabulous movie," and it 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 is in it. You know, it. If I was going to rank my top fifty movies, this definitely would be in those top fifty movies. And that's from someone who most of those movies are going to be, you know, sci-fi blow them up, you know, action <laughs> movies. Moonrise Kingdom is going to creep up there quite high. Uh, it is very enjoyable. I watched this again with uh, I, I had I had, I had downloaded it on my iPad to watch when we were camping and never got around to it. Uh, luckily, got home on Saturday and, and watched this with the wife and kids and every and everybody was around and I enjoyed every minute of it like I did the first couple times. I think this is my third time seeing it for sure. Yeah, and it's available if for our audiences who want to find it on on streaming. It's on, if you got Amazon Prime. It's, it's yeah, available yeah. there, so it's it's and Amazon Prime's fun because they have a lot of the little trivia stuff, uh, plenty. Oh of, yeah, and you can find all the <laughs> all the goofs and stuff. You know, all the all the continuity errors, which which sometimes I think I think are a little annoying to read about. It's like who cares? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> no, no. This is this is this was fun though. Um, there was a lot about this that was really cool. Um, one of the other, uh, you know, just. There was a, there was a shift change in you know the first part was really about the the two of them and how they got together and their their little escapade of first the runaway and everything and you know yeah. the first day when they're on the rocks and in in their conversations. Um, being twelve, I don't know if I would have had those same conversations. I love the fact that they did because uh, it shows that they were more uh, mature. Uh, twelve. There was a self awareness to what they were talking about. They were aware of kind of their their own limitations, but it and made, struggles, and it was yeah, it, it was. But it, was, it made sense because of the kind of kids they portrayed them as is as kind of like these loner kids that are a little bit mentally older than maybe they are physically. You know, uh, I would put I put my own uh, 
my oldest daughter, uh, Sierra, kind of in that she she was more aware when she was twelve than most twelve year olds were. Uh, <laughs> definitely more aware than I was. I you know, um, so I, yeah. I really Susie's introduction. I love the conversation. Susie's introduction. What happened to your hand? I got hit in the mirror. Really? How did that happen? Yeah, I lost my temper at myself. You know that line. I lost my temper at myself. Is just especially after she kind of plays it off like I I got hit in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, well, it, that we we were talking about the the initial standoff, which was was great because, you know, it 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 starts with don't cross this line or shit's gonna get heavy, and so the 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 other khaki scouts attack, and then they just show them running away like oh shit it went south, and it comes out that it was it was really uh, Susie was the one I, that turned right. the tide. Yeah, <laughs> she she goes yes I guess I guess I do lose my temper or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> and the the little motorcycles hanging from and it just uh it, it was really clever the way they did a lot of it and and the fact that they they had these conversations that you know most i'll, I'll even say it most 17 18 year olds won't have with a girl they're sitting across from as a boy or you know it, it, <laughs> we're just not that sophisticated so i i thought it was very <laughs> interesting I'm speaking for myself. I'm sure, Steve, you you had these conversations with with all the little girls you sat around with. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I wish I <laughs> But I just thought. I mean, it was so it was so clever. I you know everything from the you know when they're when they're sitting there on the island or or the cove, you know they jump in and and he he brings her the little earrings with her the fish hooks with the the beetle. Uh, <laughs> I know it. And I I'm pretty sure those were beetle. Uh, uh ornament like fishing uh lure things not necessarily really beetles that would have been even weirder but yeah you know the fact that he put the fish hooks in there and the scene where you know she's kind of screaming a little bit as he puts it in and then she goes oh, i love it and the trickle of blood's going down her neck you're like oh my god and, <laughs> just and yeah she's like ah that hurt but but these then she's like do the, do the other one <laughs> do the other one do the other one yeah i love one of my favorite lines was when they express their love to each other. And it starts with Susie saying, I always wished I was an orphan. Most yes, of my favorite yes. characters are, I think your lives are more special. And Sam says, I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. And Susie yes. immediately responds, I love you too. And that's it. And that's, yeah. oh my God. And just the way those all those played out, uh, we're start, because there's an honesty and the ability to communicate truth. You know, because True. he says, I love you, but I don't, but you don't know what you're talking about, which, yeah. is, which, which most people would be like, you know, fuck you. I don't want to talk to her like, but, but she just is like, I love you too. And, and I think it's her acknowledgement that that's no, because it, he has that certain awareness and that, that they can work through their it struggles. Is, it, is, it is something that we should all learn to say when we have a disagreement with our significant other is we start it with, you know, I love you. Yeah, but true. But this is the first time he says I love you. Yeah, too. but no. But think about it. Think about it. If, if how many times like you said something to your wife, you when you disagree, if you would have started that with I love you, but uh, okay, I, 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 <laughs> part of me thinks that's a little manipulative. Like 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 you're trying to, you're trying to get the upper handle. So I don't I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve that. I, okay, okay. I hear I hear what you're saying, but I I, I yeah. Oh, I'm not saying you just throw this out on like, oh, who should be doing the dishes? I love you, but we need to get in there. No, I'm I'm, I'm saying this, you know, you but you know your place is in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. All you right, we're gonna get ourselves in trouble I, here. <laughs> I know my wife doesn't listen. She listens to one side of this podcast, and it's only the side I say. 
Um, but no, it's uh, I I thought what they did was great. Um, I loved the the scene where they wake up in the morning and uh, the the scoutmaster and the the family and everybody catches them on the beach. That's right, and that's so... and I think that's where this converse that uh, you started this 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 segue yeah. where you were talking about how this movie split in two because that's really yes. kind of the transition where it it. It, it kind of flips, yeah. Yeah, and now it's now it becomes a whole new story, really. I mean, it still pertains to this, but it's the second part. Um, but what I loved about it so much, and this is where the adults in this film add a lot of the laughter. Bill Murray specifically in this <laughs> has some some things, but this one t- to me was the funniest thing in the movie. Is you know they they unzip the the, the <laughs> tent and the two of them are laying there and the whole the whole crew's looking at him and and Sam jumps up and zips it back and instead of unzipping it Bill Murray just picks the whole damn tent up <laughs> <coughs> and I I cracked up I was like that's fucking hilarious that is such a, a boss dad move um it just it was it was perfect um I thought that was just hilarious and and but it it, it worked for the story too it just it showed it had this emotion of like they're still holding to each other and in tight in in with each other but everybody else is just staring at them like what the fuck is with you two and and in in different you know if you i'm sure if you pause that I, I i think wes anderson is a good enough director that he individually told each character have a different facial expression like some are looking at them with awe some are looking at them with disdain some are looking at them with amazement some are looking at them with envy. You know, it, it's going to be all over the board because everybody it, it, has a different emotion. True, and he might have even not told the 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 younger the kids that uh, that Bill Murray was going to do that just so he'd get <laughs> right of, yeah. of a surprise because it does it just it just it it signifies this ability of just ripping the bandit <laughs> off and saying this is the end of it. You know, you, you know, there's there's a certain finality to his 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 feat of taking right. your house and just ripping the roof off. Yeah. Saying, <laughs> are you kidding? This this little amount of, of fabric or a little khaki fabric <laughs> this, is not going to stop any of, of me from finding you and taking you home. Well, the the the, the point I was going to make about the 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 shift in the the scene too uh, came a little bit later. It was kind of interesting. Okay. So when Susie's reading the disappearance from sixth grade at the the three point two mile uh, campground. Uh, and continues into part two after Sam uh, says to read on. All right, so it's a little bit before this. That's actually at the the forty six uh, uh, minute, or it's really really close to the forty seventh minute part in the movie. And then when she starts the second, it's it's the second half of the movie, which is another forty seven minutes. So it's literally like the dead point movie. I read that, and I, and I thought to myself, it's like I wonder if that was just kind of a little bit of a coincidence because. I don't. Think I know, gonna, but it's I don't, so I don't, perfect. I don't think you're gonna edit your movie to get that that granular detail of like, oh wait, within, we gotta cut. We gotta cut the scene by a few seconds so we make sure that line. It's within three seconds. Yeah, okay. it's within three. I mean, I mean that's <laughs> All that's right. pretty precise. I just if it's coincident, it was meant to happen, and it just makes this movie that much better. Um, so I, I agree, uh, but it, it then we get into this 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 second half, which is amazing for such a different reason right we get we get some more great comedy with with the the khaki scouts and you know the 
the jamboree or uh, what did they call it? Uh, this is the, the the other crew. The the one yeah, that... the the big group. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the with the main the main boss, which uh, he was funny. He cracked me up. Um, another uh, uh, guy who's been in a lot of uh, his movies. Um, yeah, he uh, was in Grand Budapest Hotel too, and he was in Pulp Fiction as the. Uh, as the, the yes fixer. yes yes and i want to say the fixer but he was the one that uh he was the one that came and took care of yeah the the, the dead body in the well, car <laughs> but the other one but the, well, i mean first we the one thing that we get to in this is uh we get the introduction of uh 12 uh tilda swenson's uh character as social services social no services name. right <laughs> just social services uh, her Harvey Harvey Keitel is who I was talking about, thinking of the other. There part. you go. Okay, sorry. Uh, her interaction with uh, with Bruce Willis over the phones were, was was hilarious, um, and then but we what was really interesting is we get the turn in uh, the rest of the scouts, right? We get their little meeting up in the, the yeah. very dangerous tree house. There was there was something so um, endearing about that moment where the I don't know what it was, but somehow the the. the what they came across as the bullies, but but they just had a moment of reflection where the the, the leader just decided, no, this is the direction we're going to go, and everyone followed him because they're all followers. But well, I think what, that, I think what the, was it in him that that, that caused well, that change? What it was is the the leader leader, right? He was gone because well, he you're the, the one that one got stabbed that, with the scissors. Sure. He got stabbed in the kidney with the left-handed scissors. <laughs> right. But it was it was the next guy up who said, you know what? We were going the wrong direction and this kid just deserved a break. And it's one of those things is, is, you know, as an adult looking back on my life is like, fuck, yeah, you know, I've been in that situation. I've, I've either been the kid on the other side where like all of a sudden they realize like, oh, fuck, we're picking on him because he's different, but he's really not that different. Or being in the group of of the, the kids that control the group and saying, hey, wait, why why are we fucking with this kid when he's really just... He's like one of us, but just a little bit different. What, and so I we, felt that. Did we see that transition in the kid, though? Something I, that caused it? Because if we did, I almost want to go back and see because I can't remember. But if Because they started, talk, they, tar, they started talking about that uh, social services was going to take him. They didn't know he was an orphan, for one. Oh, and the right? kid heard that, this conversation. Yeah, the kids heard okay. this conversation, and okay, then they also right. heard that because they were talking about, oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna take part of his brain and they're gonna give him shock therapy, and that was when the one kid said, you know what, that's not fucking right, and and he's like, and then okay. it was like all okay. it was all of a sudden like the brotherhood so, of kids. So that kid was there when when the social services yeah. person was all talking. of them all okay. of them heard of it. Okay, because they were sitting around the table talking about what was gonna happen to him. Good. Good. I I, and, and, I missed that, but but that's good to know. That 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 resonates more. Well, I liked it because it was one of those things. Is especially if if you know PG thirteen B at what it is. If if kids that are in that ten to twelve to eleven year olds that get in these groups and you know we we as kids tend to isolate those that are different from us and and you know we we bully boss you know as a group almost could see this this is a moment of, of teaching in a way and i was like oh fuck i love how they did it and that the fact that they came out together and you know like no we're gonna rescue him smart too is they go fuck we're gonna rescue her first because if we go to get him he's gonna be like no nah, i don't you know but it's but it was just it i i really love that and then i liked when they were all together it just the stuff that started happening had me cracking up uh, when they when they get to around uh, Jason Schwartzman's character, cousin Ben, 
uh, who is a 27-year-old scout who probably shouldn't be a scout. He, he, you know, he's not a leader. Uh, he's in there, you know, uh, strong-arming these kids for, for their snacks and stuff. But they go to him as a group, and, and, and he's going to end up, uh, you know, finding a place for him to go, a shrimp boat. But then he turns around and he goes, I, I, I want to take my wife. And, I mean, who at 12 is going to go, my wife? Which, granted, thinking back, maybe I would have. But, you know, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I almost went with a drink uh, based on nickels because they pay him in $76 worth of nickels. Oh, my God. Right? They right. Give him a, and then they they offered a loan it to him, and he's like, "This is my payment." <laughs> yeah, has to, he takes well, a moment before he finally okay. But he gives it he gives it back up. But it, it, there, that whole interaction was pretty funny. Matter of fact, uh, one of the, the following through the nickels, I was going to do it called electric nickel, uh, based on when he gets hit with the 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 lightning bolt. If you watch the animation from it, and I'm pretty sure it's in an animation, they show him getting zapped and flying back, but they show the the can of nickels like opening up and flying and the nickels going through the air. And so <laughs> it was one of those things that just made me laugh. And I was like, yeah, I, I probably should do a drink called Electric Nickels. Um, you know, and I, I, I was this close to doing it. I probably should have. But yeah, the, his character, and he's someone that's in a lot of Wes Anderson movies. Uh, I, I believe he's probably in more than anybody else. Uh, he was the lead in Rushmore, right? Wasn't he like? Yeah, in, he's in, one of them. Yeah, he's in. He's in like I think he's in every single one of them, if I'm not mistaken. If 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 not, he's he's in close to all of them. Um, so he just yeah, Rushmore. Um, I know he's in the new one coming and stuff like that. So uh, uh, he's just he's in a lot of them. French Dispatch was another one. Uh, but yeah, he just cracked me up in that just because he, he was such a different character of like <laughs> such a, the adults in the, in the khaki scouts should be all checked. I mean, <laughs> Ed, Edward well, Norton, he, he, he kind of came around and, 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 you know, saved himself, but the rest of them, you're kind of like, Hmm, I don't know if I want my kids with these guys. Right. No, that's a, that's a fair question. The Harvey Keitel, he seemed a little bit like a little bit. Oh my God! You know, full of himself, and and gosh, when he found out, well, I mean, it is kind of embarrassing to lose your entire troop, even you know. So, so true, he, true. <laughs> he had reason to it, but the way he went about it, the way he acted, was a little bit much for a troop of scouts, especially when they came out when it was all raining, and he's wearing like a blanket, like a cape. Like, what kind of crap is it? Right. It was all funny. It was. Well, it was and, all hilarious. And then Scoutmaster. Ward did get the the moment where he got to save Commander Pierce from the the, the flaming. Who, build, who builds a, a tent platform over a an open area that's going to flood? I, it, the whole thing was hilarious. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it worked out well. Um, I do like a lot of that the whole scout thing. I like uh, how they you know they they all came across in little canoes, and he goes off in the in the big, you know, sail ship to be, go to the shrimp boat and then ends up coming back because they forgot the binocular. It right. Just, everything her, her they secret, did. Her secret powers, right? Isn't that what it was? Right, right. It all just works out well. Um, it all, and it all leads to the big storm and them in the, in the church, which we then get the, I think this is the emotional moment of the movie. Um, it's where uh, Captain Sharp, as Bruce Willis as Captain Sharp, Really goes to town for for bit uh, for Sam. Um, 
you know, against social services and 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 claims, you know, that he he wants to to adopt him and all that. Um, we get there, there's just a lot of parts of it that are are just really emotional towards the end that it all comes to the to the to the head at that church, um, which I thought I thought was really well done. Um, yeah, it it feels like th- there does seem to be something at stake at the end when they're. When they're stuck, this this storm blows in, which the narrator has been talking about the yeah. whole time. Like this is a this is a big deal. I mean, he he foreshadows it. He says, you know, this is everyone can read about this storm in in the history books, and it's about to happen in three days, and that's the very beginning of the movie. So you which know, which was interesting, yeah. That that's kind of the style, yeah. And he's he, he looks like a like a like a like garden a gnome. like a garden gnome exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, Bob uh, Balbin as the narrator. Yeah, he looks like a garden gnome. It, it's hilarious. Um one of the things we really haven't talked about was uh Bill Mayor Bill Murray and uh Francis McDormand as uh Mr. Bishop and and Mrs. Bishop uh the the father and mother of of Susie. They add a very interesting dynamic to this. Bill Murray specifically comedy wise <laughs> the comedy that he adds to this is is very very fun and interesting like there it's also kind of self-deprecating there's that moment when he walks by and he's got his gut hanging out and his shirt off and <laughs> you know and i think i, I resonate I, with that i resonate with that I, I think i think i read something about you know he was talking about how his pants were made and how they were stitched because <laughs> the costuming in this movie is off the chart if it if it I, I hope it won an Academy Award for the costuming in this movie because no, it didn't. Oh, too bad! It's brilliant, absolutely. I think brilliant. they were only nominated for one, actually. Oh, that's screenplay. that's that's a travesty. Um, but uh, but yeah, he he's he he's still. I think I think he's, <laughs> in some places he's a little bit plays himself. You know. Oh, I, he's always himself. Yeah, he has never not been Bill Murray. Yeah. Name one movie he hasn't just been Bill Murray. Well, Lost in Translation. He's done some tra- dramatic roles. He played FDR okay, recently. Okay. And, you know, there's he's he's ha- he's tried. I, I don't I, there aren't many dramatic roles. There aren't many dramatic roles that have worked, but uh, Lost in Translation is probably I, I love one. the fact that you say he tries. <laughs> he, he tried. He he gave it a, a good go. Well, it's it's tough. For, I mean, we talked about this uh was it last week when we were talking about comedian comedians oh in, right yeah like in jim carrey in dramatic and... movies and how tough it is we were talking about adam sandler but i yeah i brought up the yeah. whole idea of how hard it is to cross over when when the well i mean when you just... kill it it you know with with like you know caddyshack how do you how do you go above caddyshack well <laughs> but also bill murray has a he can play that same comic role and make it dramatically yeah. resonate like with groundhog day which is you know, right, most, right, right. So many people put that in their in their top twenty list of movies that they could always watch. You know, it's you flip interesting. It, okay, you know, where you you flip it by flip by it and on the on the remote control, you're going to stop. Do, do we even have a remote? I, I see that. Yes, but so um, uh, it's and and he pulls off a comic role and a dramatic role in the same in the same movie. Uh, true, true. And and that's 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 something. There's something to be said about that. Um, so I just I I loved his he, to me he was the comedy in this that you got to watch him in the background uh there was the the question early on when um when uh uh the sheriff shows up at the house 
and they're like, oh, uh, you know, your, your daughter's missing. How, how does that? He goes, I, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those. He, did, uh, him, he, he didn't overact, though. That's good. He didn't. Like, no, he, he didn't. He didn't break into Bill Murray, you know. And, and, and no, over, but he had that. a bit of it. But it yeah. was but it was it was the right amount of Bill Murray yeah. for this. Um, it was very interesting too. the character uh, of the two bishops the they called each other counselor and, the, you know, um, so this was there's apparently some themes in in some Wes Anderson movies, uh, a lot to do with parents just not not um, not functioning well, like like a lot of uh, dysfunctional parents, uh, divorce uh, and stuff like that. And this this definitely went into that because you know we we had miss bishop apparently having an affair with with captain sharp and the, the interactions between the mr and mrs bishop and stuff like that mm -hmm. and so this is apparently a, a a going theme between a lot of his movies and uh it was played really interesting and well where it wasn't like it didn't take over the story of the movie but it played a part in it i mean it, it played a part of why Susie was mad well yeah um, i mean th they both had I mean, he was a, Sam was a, was an orphan and he, and then yeah. she had parents that she just didn't connect with. Um, when they well, she that, was mad that, at her mother, that, that moment where she, she shared that she found this, the, the book about <laughs> yeah. trouble, how to, how to cope with a troubled child. And that was, I believe that was something that actually happened to Wes Anderson. He was saying, I think it was a pamphlet or, yeah. or, or Roman Coppola, was, uh, one, one of the Coppola. two. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it was Coppola. Um, I do remember hearing something about that too. Yeah, that that's something that resonated. Well, the the, the sometimes this kind of need to to feel. I think as a child, I felt like things were too ideal. I had I had parents. I had a very, I, I had a I had a very well balanced childhood, and, and that was great. But but there was some time a part of me that I wished like I kind of had that that uh, oh. that Susie feeling like 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 every kid wants that 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 thing that t sets them apart yeah that that I wanted well yeah and, and that that I could I could claim that that I yeah. had it I had it rough too. did you had the hardships yeah, yeah they had the hardships isn't it weird and yeah <laughs> and then, no you know, they, no they, you're they, not wrong yeah. you're not wrong I I was the same way I mean funny thing uh so uh I remember when I was in god I want to say it was like fifth grade and uh i was in elementary school and i was embarrassed because i didn't get free lunch because a lot of the kids that i went to school with and a lot of my friends got free lunch but my dad paid to have a, a card so it was kind of like free lunch but it wasn't and i was embarrassed by it it was like i wanted nothing more than to be poor enough to get free lunch yeah like my I, friends I, I totally get that it's yeah so you it it so you can bond a little bit more with the people that you yeah, bond exactly. with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, it, it's one of those, I mean, but it, at the same time, I mean, I, I could have went over to any of those kids' house. And I'm like, oh yeah, you got a mom, dad home. I, I live with just my father. Yeah. So I had something, but it didn't, it didn't resonate because it wasn't right at the front. But God, they got free lunch and, and I had to pay for my lunch. And oh my God, how fucking embarrassed was I that I could pay a quarter and get chocolate milk and they had to have fucking white milk. You know, it was, it was one of those is like, embarrassed to be you know to to have a father that was doing financially well enough that i wasn't getting free lunch uh it was weird but no i get that because that's and that's very much what this movie is is like them 
you know, resonating with the difficulties they have, especially Susie, you know, with her parents. And, she, you know, she they have that scene with, with her talking to her mom and how she was disappointed because she knew about her in the, in the top. And, you know. Oh, when, just, when, it, when she was giving her a bath? Is that? Yeah. And she hate... still has the earrings on. <laughs> yeah. I, and where she says, I hate you. And so you're just saying that because I really do. But then it was interesting because that's when um, she brought up the book or something about the book. The, the pamphlet. And, and yeah, the pamphlet, you're right, the troubled, troubled teen, but... Dealing with a troubled teen. Or... And, and what did Frances McDormand, the mom, she said something, oh, poor Susie, or something like that. And it almost made Susie smile a little bit, like there was a bonding moment. It, that, there was something about that that felt a little unusual, but... There, um... was, there was, but yeah, they, it, was, it was kind of like it, it finally came out, like they... It was almost a way of bonding that wasn't a way of bonding. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm. I wish I could get the, the actual quote here. Uh, I'm looking for it, but it's not coming up right away. Oh, but yeah, no, it, 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 was, it was definitely a good thing. And, you know, it was just, there was a lot of stuff in this. And Yeah, um, you, you know, you mentioned how she did her own makeup. There, there was a scene when, when she brought so up good. the pamphlet about trouble, you know, when they were on the Moonlight Kingdom Island and or Cove and... Uh, and she brought up the pamphlet for the first time, and and I think Sam kind of laughed it off. He thought it was funny, and she she was offended, and and he I think he apologized or he did something to kind of make up for it. So it was it was okay, but her eyes she looked like she had been crying, and it 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 made her face so much more em emote so much more that and and maybe that was something to do with the makeup she put on, or maybe it was. Maybe it was because she had just taken a swim and her makeup had kind of run a little bit, but that was a really effective moment. We were talking about that, that the the between the mom and the uh, and she says, "I know you how you're feeling, Susie Bean. Uh, you have moments, uh, my uh, myself, where I say, what am I doing here? Who made this decision? How could I allow myself to do something stupid? Why is this still happening? We women are emotional, are more emotional.'" And she says, "I hate you." She goes, "Don't say hate." She goes, "Why not? I mean it." And she goes. I think you mean it in this moment. You're just trying to hurt me. And she goes, exactly. And it was kind of that moment you were talking about. They bond. And she, and literally the mom knows that she's just trying to hurt her in those moments. But she really, you know, just like, it's funny. This, 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 uh, this little moment made me think. I remember a time my dad said something, you know, told me, you know, basically whatever he, he, he's parenting. And I, and I was mad. And I ran in my little room, and at the time I didn't even have a wall. I just had a fucking blanket that covered the 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 wall between me and the living room. And I turned around and I flipped him off. He couldn't see it, right? And only I knew that I flipped him off. About five minutes later, I felt so fucking bad about that. Like I literally was like, I didn't mean that. And it was it was what kids do in the moment. They're like they're so fucking mad at their parents. They're just like, ah, I fucking hate you. And then if they stop and think about it, like do it. I don't really hate them. And this is kind of what that was. Is she's like, I want to hurt you right now, but I really, I really love you. And I think that's what you were talking about, that bonding moment in it. And it resonated with, with hopefully anybody who's ever had those situations where they've said some shit to people they don't really mean. I think my struggle was that I wasn't, con I didn't, I didn't see the, I, I wasn't connected with the humanity of the parents. 
Francis McDormand and Bill Murray. They 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 weren't being played. Well, they were lawyers. Way. They're lawyers. You can't really connect with them. So they're not human. So when this happened, I I believe it's a very it's 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 smart for for parental figures to let that sort of emotional outburst that that claim of hate, oh yeah you know out and not not really judge a child by that because that's going <laughs> to happen and that was good but but I was I was still kind of I I didn't I didn't connect with these parents at all I didn't I thought they were they, they were very I I, th I think something else needed to be there for me to to appreciate that that bonding moment so that was something that was a little left out. I, I was so much more connected with these, with the the children that were playing. These oh, roles. oh, yeah, yeah. So, I I was too. I mean, I I, I was pulling for Sam and Susie the whole the, time. It, the, it really there was, was, and there was a moment when the social security services person, you know, when there's the big climax, and and they they they, I think one of them has a weapon, like a like some sort of of stick with with with. Uh, Oh, that was uh, that was actually the cop that I think holds that, that. That seemed a little slapstick. There seemed it seemed like it went a little far for for even this movie. It seemed uh, I didn't I didn't get it. I think it well, what that was is it was you know what that was is uh, that was the town and the rest of the people coming to the defense. That was that was social services being the government or the 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 enemy, uh, and it was finally the rest of the town and the rest of the people standing up and putting that wall between them and i i want to say it was actually uh 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 bruce willis's captain sharp was holding that that weapon saying yeah you uh, you're gonna have to go through me and then he had that kind of line behind him that also saying like you're gonna have to go through us to get to to sam from social services okay it's kind of like the there was the rest of the town saying look we know who this kid is now we we know he was a uh, an orphan and we're going to take him under our wing and he's now all, and you can't have him that and moment I, that that moment kind of took me out of out of the uh the emotional impact of that scene it seemed a little silly so there were a few moments like that and 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 again his Wes Anderson style takes takes advantage of those visual cues to kind of lead you through down this kind of odd path so so it's so it's fair, but but I think some sometimes it doesn't quite work for me, and that was a moment where it didn't. No, and I get you because the the at the end where they they climb up on the tower of the church and they're ready to kind of do their Romeo and Juliet and jump to their, I I was a little at the end I was kind of like oh that's a little much like I didn't see these two as like I love you so much I'm ready to die for you more I, like I, I did love the scene where the where they kiss and the lightning goes and and what is what is he what is he oh he like, gets a little you, or when she says like you still have full, light you still have lightning you, in you or light, yeah I, that was funny <laughs> but uh, yeah no to me it would be more like and this is this i could see this be more susie's like i love you and all but i'm not ready to die for you so let's just go down and handle this i think that would have been a better ending i i you don't know? i i I don't think it showed them attempt to jump, and I, I think it's fair that. Well, no, because the lightning can... strike hit before they had a chance. Yeah, but they were going to. They I... were going to. Okay, I don't know if they were, but. Well, if 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 if, if Captain Sharp wouldn't have showed up and said, "Hey, I'm 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 going to adopt you and take you and and control you know make this situation right," 
they were ready to to jump for each other and that's where i was kind of like that's a little bit out of the character like i wish they would have i almost wish they wouldn't have had the the captain sharp save them more like they'll get up there and have the discussion you're like you know what i love you but is this really what we want no let's go down there and stand together and 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 put up a front you know put up a, a solidarity against social services and had that but that might also have been harder to write Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard, it's hard to say, you know, they gave it a little bit of a fairy tale indie. I, I liked it. I liked, I liked their, you know, they both ran into their own roadblocks with, you know, he was, you know, he had almost kind of assumed that his, his foster parents were going to take him back. But then, then the note came right when he got. Oh uh, God, that was so horrible. That was, that was pretty bastards. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I loved the, the second the the breakout when they broke Susie out when they're peeking right. in over the over the uh, the chimney dropped, yeah and they dropped the rope down and well that uh, was that was actually when they broke Sam out I'm sorry yeah, she the was other there. way around Sam right because he's like I'm not gonna go and then all of a sudden she pokes her head and he's like all right I'll go yeah <laughs> what was you the, got my woman it's funny because I'm just thinking about this now but uh, Bruce Willis had a movie where he was a boat captain or he was a a, a police uh, he lived <laughs> That's a, a stretch. He lived on a, or he he was he would patrol on a on a boat, right? I'm, what was this uh, movie? Um, I'm look I'm looking at his stuff. Let's see. This would be '90s, um, and uh, is, was it part of Moonlighting? No, was he, was he no, living on a boat in Moonlighting? No, that was because I love that was I, '80s. I, I loved him in Moonlighting. Yeah, he was, he was so hilarious in Moonlighting, good. and and we've talked a lot about that transition because we did our we did our Christmas special where we talked about Die Hard. Did we actually do? Yeah, Die right, Hard? right. I don't know if we did do Die Hard, but we talked about Die we, Hard. We we talked about it during the <laughs> and is it a Christmas special or not? Yeah, the the big the big debate Oof. whether that's a Christmas. But there's a there's a there's a boat. Oh crap! I want to look this up. But because that when they broke him out. Uh, when they broke Sam out, because uh, uh, he was he's done he's done so much stuff. I, he, it's hard. It's hard. He was to staying. He was staying on this with with Bruce Willis with Captain Sharp then, and it almost felt like that was the same home. This little oh, I got you. <laughs> this boat. So it was almost a cross between the, the characters. And I'm looking at I'm looking at his filmography, and man, he's done some great stuff. Paul well, he's Dick's yeah Den. yeah. Unfortunately, his last <sighs> ten movies were all kind of direct to dvd or direct to <laughs> to streaming before he uh before he retired due to his uh um illness um unfortunately yeah. so he kind of kind of had a a wimp a, a whimper of an ending there so although he's he's still done some awesome he's stuff de- yeah he he really has and you know one of the things i i was just looking down and one of the ones that came across was uh armageddon uh-huh. And uh, you want to talk about a movie that is ten, you know, nine parts out of ten, like just kind of adventure and action and stuff like that, and one part emotional that'll get you crying. I don't care who you are. That is the movie. I, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. I fucking tear up so bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm with you on that one, but. Uh... Oh but. no no! Well, okay, come on. As a, as a father of a daughter, come on. There's there's a scene at the end that you cannot help tear up if you're a father of a daughter. Um, so and that's uh, Steven Tyler's daughter. 
uh, Liv Tyler that yeah. plays. Yeah. And, and doesn't he do, doesn't Steven Tyler, doesn't he sing the song? Uh, he might, yeah. The, the theme I think song so. for that movie. The movie I'm thinking yeah. of is the 1993 Bruce Willis movie called Striking Distance. And he's a oh, okay. Pittsburgh okay. police homicide detective. But but he's a you know he's on a he's on a boat. In fact, it's even on the cover where it shows him on a speedboat. So, <laughs> so but I, I think he lives on a on a houseboat. And and so so that that kind of felt like that that same houseboat. <laughs> Although I don't, gotcha. think, I don't I don't I don't know if it was a houseboat in this movie, but that's what I felt. It, if it is, it's a very small one. <laughs> it's a very small. Uh, no, Bruce Willis is great. I, and this was his first first Wes Anderson uh, movie. I think he, he killed what he was asked. To do. <laughs> um, no, it, it's a fun movie. Um, once again, Wes Anderson is a director that not everybody's going to be into. Um, it, it it can get artsy. It can get it can get fartsy. It can get you know that kind of uh, indie vibe to it, but. I think if you're going to get into any of his movies, this is probably the one that that kind of vibes with more just general movie. Like you, there's more to it than it's very some of it's, the others. it's very rich. Looking at looking at the at the Story. scenery and and a lot of the props. Just talking about the the books that they made for this, the biblical references and stuff. It's it's. Yeah, there's there's a lot to this, and and a lot more research that can continue to be done. I've seen some, I've read some interesting analysis of this movie. Um, and, oh, nice. Yeah, uh, and and I, you know, you talking about possibly doing a Noah's Ark cocktail. That was something I explored because there was a lot of essays I found how that the 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 play that they put on the the no what was it called? It wasn't. I think I talked about it earlier and I can't remember the name. Oh, the Noah's Fuddle, which is the Old Testament story of Noah's Ark, how that becomes a theme that that continues to be uh, uh, referenced. Uh, I know a lot of people in the podcast I listen to, they, they're, their two top movies, Wes Anderson movies, were this and the Budapest uh, Hotel. And, and a lot of people put this one above it. Having not seen the Budapest, I would definitely have to say this is this is definitely one of my top uh, Anderson movies. For uh, sure. Grand Budapest Budapest Hotel is sharper. It's it's more humorous and and witty and uh, has a. But that doesn't a, always make it better. No, no, I know. I, I think this has this is richer. This is and 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 much more nostalgic and brings you kind of into that. And it's beautifully shot. Through the whole thing, there's there's so much incredible. Yeah. Like, there's no scene in this that I was like, oh my god, that that could have been done better. Like, like literally, like every shot is thought out and planned and, and looks incredible. Like, like this could be played in 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 film schools as to like not not even don't pay attention to this story, don't pay attention to any of the acting. Just look at the visuals and use this as a learning tool. For color, and 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 composure, and and what you have in your background, and how you deal with what it is, because everything in the every one of these shots is done so well that it visually is is a is a masterful tool. You know, it's I think it's done or two hours. And you and uh, you can I think you can find the script, the screenplay online, and it and Wes Anderson puts a lot. I think this is also Roman Coppola that they both wrote the wrote the screenplay together, but he puts a lot of the visual, 
cues? Well, he puts like a lot of the props. So, so okay. the things you see on the screen are there. He doesn't necessarily say this is a, this is a, a side shot. I'm going to truck to this, this scene, mm. but, but, but he does, he calls out all the different props that you see in the screen. So, so he, the the screenplay has a lot of richness as well, so that's an interesting, interesting to 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 read the screenplay as well as as watch watch the movie and see how they translate. If you're especially if you're a film student, just interested in to see how how a screenplay becomes a film, especially with someone who writes it with their own particular vision. Yeah, he do, he does a great job with it too, as far as the fact that like these are not not scenes and not a lot of um, visuals that are, are overrepresented in movies too. Like he, you know, he goes against the, the kind of norm for some of the shots. Like you said, you know, he, he does a lot of like almost 2d and, and his backings and stuff that just really fit and, and make some work. Yeah. So, I don't. I I I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Just sometimes it, it's it's a style that's a little little too much for me. So sometimes it's I a think, little artsy. It's a little artsy. Yeah, and that's why I haven't seen I, a lot of his other stuff because I, I know he is so artsy that I I don't mind artsy. It's just if <laughs> it, it, if if there's if if someone is repeating the same sort of visual style, then then it loses its well. That's that is actually connection him. to that, the material. So. He is starting to now that he's in his tenth, twelfth film. He is starting to like, hey, we've seen that. Come on, man, give us something new. Yeah. So I mean, we got Asteroid City coming, up, and I'm 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 curious because that's the one I'm supposed to help uh help uh, another podcast with, and I'm curious is like, oh my god, is this gonna be? Is this gonna be another goddamn same thing? Are we gonna see anything new? But. It's got a crew that is ridiculous. Um, the fact that he gets the people that he gets to, I'm wondering, like, is he one of those one of those directors that just can say, "Hey, I want you to be in this," and they're like, "Shit, I don't care what you pay me. Just yeah, I'll be in that." So, uh, you know, uh, it, especially it, with the new one, it it's got to be kind of a, a relaxing experience because you don't have to you don't have to dive direct you know so emotionally into a character because it is that's not something that's that's that heavy yeah true true yeah it'll be interesting to see with this this new one this is road city on how it is because he does he has a uh i we got some big names in this one there is i mean the big names in asteroid city is ridiculous the list of big name actors in that is fucking on and on and on so uh, I'm interested to see how that one comes out. Nice. Um, but th yeah, this is fun. Uh, I recommend this to everybody. I think everybody needs to see this movie. I think it, it is, regardless if you like action, uh, art, uh, just fun, uh, comedy. It's 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 kind of got a little bit of all of it. It's 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 not your blow them up. Oh my god, over the top Marvel superhero action uh but it's got everything like, but you, but it, and it's also coming of age so if you like john hughes uh you're gonna true, get a little bit true true <laughs> true it is it is a great great uh coming of age story um but it adds so much more to it too there's and and it's one of those things is you have to literally watch this more than once 
to really catch everything. Because the first time you watch this, you're going to be watching that up front, like what's in your face. The second time, you're going to be half in that and you're going to be half in what's behind it. And the third time, you really got to be like, I'm looking at everything in the background. This is <laughs> yeah because there's a lot of it and it's yeah it's it's a very very a movie um i didn't think i'd ever really recommend a wes anderson of it oh my god this is one of my top favorite movies that's great and, until i saw this and, and yeah. this is literally um so yeah i i enjoyed this so much this was a good and 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 i have to admit steve is the one that brought this up like, hey, yeah, we should do this. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's because you're doing Asteroid City. I said, well, hey, let's 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 grab a West. True, true. I, I need to. I, I, need I, to, I said I this to, is the one to do. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like I said, you know, you go down Wes Anderson's his filmography and he's got some good movies. But I think this to me is well, for me, definitely. This is the top of what he's done. But again, I haven't seen the Grand I Budapest. Uh, I did you know, want Fantastic uh, Mr. Fa or Fantastic Mr. Fox. I didn't think it was as good. Okay, well, Isle of Dogs is fun for an animated one. You can you can check check that out. One of the cocktails I was considering is one called the Warm Up, and it was it looked like a good cocktail, and I thought it'd be a good one for this because I consider this this podcast your warm up to <laughs> to, to the Heroes Heroes podcast. The nice uh, for well, let's hope let's hope it Asteroid happens. City. Yeah. Let's hope it happens. Absolutely. I, I hope they realize that they 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 shorted themselves a week and that they got to do Flash next week and then uh, and then Asteroid City well, the week after. And then hopefully I'll if if let me know if you if you can't uh, you know if it doesn't get released I'll see if I can track down a, a bootleg copy on the internet. I used to be really good about that, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I can get away with that now. Um, things have gotten a little tighter, and I'm I, I yeah. Know, I'm not I, as I, persistent finding things. I, I send an email to them. To, I'll see what they have to say, and we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Okay. Well, with that, I have to say, uh, with Moonrise Kingdom, that's how we seize it. Yep. Hail Caesars. Hail Caesars. What does that mean?